It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Commonwealth Voices is a podcast about citizens coming together to participate in democracy and influence the institutions that shape their lives. Welcome to Commonwealth Voices. I'm Royful Brown. I'll be your host and guide in the series featuring stories from across the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth covers 20% of the world's land area and six continents. With an estimated population of 2.4 billion people, that's collectively a third of the world population, each with their own unique voice. On this month's episode, we look at the issue of waste pickers or reclaimers in South Africa who are building their collective power so that their rights as workers in South Africa's waste management system can be recognised and realised. This work has been spearheaded by WIGO, short for Women in Informal Employment Globalising and Organising. Welcome back. The Environmental Affairs Department has hosted an integration workshop for waste pickers. The meeting gave an insight into the role of waste pickers in the recycling sector. The department says waste pickers actually collect around 80 to 90 percent of post-consumer packaging and paper recycle in South Africa. South Africa's waste economy is estimated to be worth billions of rands and provides thousands of people with jobs. Research conducted by the Cognitive Science Research Initiative found that between 60,000 to 90,000 informal waste pickers earn a livelihood from the recovery of recyclables from municipal waste in South Africa. Hello, my name is Lucia Fernandez. I am the Global Waste Picker Coordinator as, uh, in Wigos, and I am based in Montevideo in Uruguay, in South America. So Wigo looks after the types of workers that generally we forget about. It's people that do unregulated work. It's female workers who are at the bottom of the socioeconomic pile. Why did Wigo decide that they needed to look at the plight of the waste pickers in South Africa? Wigo uh, works with waste pickers all around the world, and we are committed to try to strengthen their capacities, their organizational capacities in both local, national and international level. So what happened is in Latin America, the continent where I am based, um, 
There are a lot of way speakers organizations forming the 90s, very strong organizations of way speakers. We have very strong organizations of way speakers in India, but Africa as a continent was one of the weakest ones in terms of organizing capacities of this uh, important informal workforce. We recently started trying to focus more of our attention and dedicate efforts in strengthening the organization of way speakers in South Africa. And the reason for South Africa is because it's part of the BRICS countries. It's a country with a lot of uh, waste because in order to produce waste, we need some level of richness. Otherwise, we are not consuming, so we are not throwing away. But we have never really get into a deep level of organizing as we are having now in Johannesburg because we understand that in order to build a national movement, we need to have some strong base, at least in one city. So we dedicate our last years to have a project in Johannesburg, having an organizer on the ground doing an excellent job uh, with many uh, way speakers in the city. And if the way speakers are not well organized, then they are going to be displaced. The waste management has this tends to get privatized and the people at the bottom of the chain, they, they just lose their income and their jobs. So from Uruguay, we move to South Africa. Dr. Melanie Sampson of the University of Witwatersrand is an expert in South Africa's informal and formal waste industry. Dr. Melanie Sampson, why are South Africa's 100,000 waste pickers so important to the country's economy? South Africa's waste pickers are incredibly important to the economy because uh, until very recently, we didn't have any national legislation on recycling. There weren't any municipalities that had official programs to collect recyclables from households and uh, move them into the recycling value chain. So in South Africa, as around the world, these contributions and skills of waste pickers have not been recognized. They've been stigmatized, they've been harassed, they're seen as crazy people who just rummage through rubbish bins. Um, and uh, this uh, negative opinion of waste pickers is so pervasive that actually as um, uh, municipalities have begun to implement formal recycling programs, they've just excluded waste pickers. They've excluded the people who are currently doing the work and hired private companies instead. My name is Luanda Tlajwayo. I live in the city of Johannesburg in Newtown in South Africa. I'm a full-time reclaimer and I'm a father of two. It's, it's, a, it's a Sunday night. It's around 8 o'clock. We're preparing for the day coming it's a Monday tomorrow, we need to start working. We need to go to Rosebank. We need to go to we need to go to Houghton. We need to go to Parktown. Um, there's four of us we're preparing for the day. Um, there's about probably about 20, 20 kilometers per person to travel to go and get material. So we need to be able to plan for the day ahead as I said earlier on. My name is Luanda Sajayo. I live in Newtown, Begazela, it's in Johannesburg. We are in Region F, the biggest municipality in South Africa. Unfortunately we live in an informal settlement. Well, we don't have electricity, we don't have water. Well, we have 
temporary toilets that get cleaned after two weeks or so. Normal day when we claim when you get on the streets, the first thing is competition. A lot of people compared to like five, six years back, um, normally where there would be three people on one road, now there's like 11, 12 people on a road. So um, it, it causes problems of tribalism that you know the Sutu guys put themselves aside you know the local guys would put themselves aside the guys from the north put themselves aside it became a territorial game we don't have access to toilets um, especially in the suburban areas where everything is restricted there's no public toilets whatsoever the only the only thing that you're gonna find is a park that is if you will find a park Generally, you just have to find open space to try and relieve yourself. Um, there's people that get injuries on the road. There's no support from there. There's people that travel alone at night and get accidents. And they're only found early in the morning when the other guys are traveling. There's, there's a lot of people that get a lot of hate from other, other racial groups or Um, now you can hear the forklift in the background coming to, 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 to help us put a fresh bin and help us to put in. So he's, he's bringing a, a fresh bin so we can put it in there. Now because we don't have the energy, he's going to have to help us and we'll have to pay him 10 rand a bag. We've got two big bags. So he's going to take the bags, put the forklift, throw them inside. Then we have to jump inside and take out the boxes from from the bed so that's that's extra labor that we have to put in moving from a session with south africa's waste pickers i spoke to eli kodisang about wissa the waste integration in south africa project now be careful because in this next bit of the show there are a few acronyms eli will refer to an organization called arrow which is the african reclaimers organization Eli, you're the organiser for WISA, W-I-S-A. It's a project which has been funded by the Commonwealth Foundation. Tell us a little bit about the organisation and how you got into the role. The WISA project was um, initiated by WIGO. In, I think in around 2016, they approached the Commonwealth Foundation with an idea of intervening in um, integration of what they call the waste pickers here prefer to be called uh, reclaimers. Basically, I heard of this position that was there. You could almost say that my involvement was an accident of history, so to speak. What did you identify as being some of the conditions and disadvantages of people who were waste pickers in South Africa? I think that the, the first thing that really outraged me, I could see that they were workers like, like any other. They are the modern workers who do not necessarily have a direct employer, but they are working very hard to basically put food on the table for themselves and their families. The lack of facilities, particularly in the landfill sites where I started working, and the lack of ablution facilities, uh, problems of safety, you know, where um, there were several incidents at the time that I was there 
starting to work with the reclaimers of uh, people dying in the landfill site because of the heavy machinery that is used um, and the fact that in terms of the law people were not supposed to make a living in the landfill site and secondly I suppose I was outraged by the stigma that uh, society attached to the kind of work that people were doing you know as if uh, they were not human uh, they were not deserving of respect and dignity and of course I felt that uh, something needs to be done about it. Eli, your job is to organize the reclaimers and ensure that issues of integration to the city's waste economy or their interests are taken up. So I'm presuming that the waste pickers fundamentally are not necessarily a collective group. These are people who are very much self-starters, entrepreneurial by nature. So it must be hard really to, to really coordinate things with them. So give us a sense of some of the things that you have to do to be able to successfully execute your job in yeah. the project. That was an interesting observation for me. Coming from a trade union background, you know, workers are always there congregating in companies. You basically go in with a constituency that is ready-made. Everyone has the same hours of work. You have all sorts of infrastructure of organizing that's and bringing people together available. And so, of course, when I started, I was very naive. Thought, ah, here's a group of people that are doing recycling. Surely I, I can find wherever they congregate, they, it's easy to, to basically organize. And of course, what I found was that uh, there are two types of people who are engaged in this uh, kind of economic activity. One there are people who basically work in landfill sites. Now their work is, you could almost think of it like a traditional work where people have working hours. You know, there's a, the landfill opens at a certain time and it closes at a certain time. And those are working hours. So people have been able over time to basically form some kind of collective enterprises such as cooperatives. And of course, when I then moved from the landfill sites to people that work in the streets, uh, such as I immediately faced the problem that you're talking about, that people work as individuals, they are hardworking people, and obviously as far as they were concerned, it was just every day is a struggle for survival. So people don't have the time and the means to allow you to, to talk to them. Basically, I had to change the way I perceived things and started looking for people in the places that they live and also in places where they, they sort materials. And that's how the African Reclaimers Organization has evolved as a democratic flat type of organization with a direct control by its members. Within the local government, what has happened is that um, their attitude to dealing with uh, waste minimization has been to colonize and to exclude the independent reclaimers and to basically give millions of rents to private companies to compete directly with, with reclaimers. And for us, one of the consequences of, of those kinds of policies, which, by the way, are not backed by any research whatsoever, have been one that... Um, people's uh, levels of income have uh, actually been reduced by up to 60%. This is a survey that we did last year after the city council signed a number of contracts to introduce private companies to basically pick materials from what they categorize as high-income areas, which is uh, areas where reclaimers uh, rely on the most for, for survival. And secondly, there have been unintended consequences also 
for, for the city and residents, which is that because people are now being forced to compete with uh, formalized companies who have trucks, you know, who have workers with a nice looking uniform, and some residents prefer to basically give their material to someone who looks clean, is that uh, not only has it resulted in, in declines in income, as a strategy, reclaimers have actually started working earlier and earlier in the morning so that they could basically beat the trucks. So which meant that for residents, they find reclaimers sleeping outside of their homes, and also people have started occupying open spaces within the city but it is a direct outcome of the kinds of unresearched policies that the city has implemented. The introduction of what reclaimers call privatization, the introduction of private companies to compete with them for contracts, affects everyone the same. So that was the key to basically showing people that it is necessary for everyone to get together and to basically start forging common bonds and to, to recognize that we can't see each other as competition or competitive us, you know, for materials. We all have a common interest, and that interest is best served by coming together. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Some waste pickers in Johannesburg say they fear the city's efforts to make household recycling compulsory might have an impact on their livelihood. Last week, Pick It Up finalized contracts with private recycling companies. Informal waste reclaimers save municipalities close to 750 million rand per year. 60% of paper and packaging waste was recycled in South Africa during 2016. And... Between 80 and 90% of this waste recovered by the informal reclaimers. The new contracts will etch them out. Will the city of Johannesburg waste time on the issue? Or will they dig around to find a solution to keep food on the tables of waste pickers? The father of three is afraid he'll be squeezed out of the market. But worries at having to compete with big companies, he won't be able to provide for his family. The waste pickers lose the, the, this job of recycling. Some of them, they're going to be included in the 
in their crimes, some of them they're going to be in jail because there is no job at this time. The government nationally has uh, begun to adopt what um, I would term as relatively progressive attitudes and policies to, to people that work within the sector to the extent that the Department of Environmental Affairs has actually completed a very progressive process of drafting guidelines towards uh, inclusion of, of reclaimers or waste pickers. However, Notwithstanding the fact that the national government is, is I think, uh, gradually changing its attitude, attitudes of old still are prevalent, both nationally and also within, for example, the uh, cities like uh, Johannesburg. For instance, although there has been a number of laws that have been passed to do with waste minimization, but all of them basically outlaw the kind of work that people are doing. And that work is not recognized. It is not in the plans that uh, government has, has made. And also, likely, it does not exist, therefore, in the budgets that are allocated. To date, what has been the traditional relationship between the municipalities and waste pickers in terms of municipalities using the services of the waste pickers? Fortunately, in South Africa, we're beginning to see a bit of a change in the way that waste pickers have been perceived. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with the amazing work that Arrow has been doing on the ground and in the media, because Arrow um, has been drawing attention to the ways in which they are being dispossessed, the ways in which the municipal programs are devastating their livelihoods. Pickers have been stigmatized and marginalized. Until 2008, uh, they didn't feature in any kind of national legislation. And in 2008, in the, in the National Waste Act, It was simply said that we can find ways to allow waste pickers to work on landfills. It was only in 2011 when government adopted the National Waste Management Strategy that we began to see we began to see a recognition of the role that waste pickers are playing. And in the 2011 National Waste Management Strategy, government said that it will provide guidance to municipalities and to industries on how to improve the conditions of waste pickers. Could you just quickly run over maybe like the top three points of actually how the plight which you've just explained and described so eloquently will be alleviated uh, with this new programme? So in 2011, there was a big change in the way that the South African government understood and related to waste pickers. In the 2011 National Waste Management Strategy, national government recognized the role that waste pickers are playing and said that it would provide guidance to municipalities and industry on how to improve the conditions of waste pickers. As a result... Uh, The Department of Environmental Affairs, the Department of Science and Technology, and uh, myself at Wits University came together uh, to develop a project uh, that would focus on how we can integrate waste pickers. And uh, this, we're completing this project, it's been going for three years, and there's two parts of the project. The first has been to do research on how municipalities have tried to integrate integrate waste pickers and what their successes and challenges have been. And I've been facilitating a national stakeholder process through which we've collectively developed national guidelines on waste picker integration. Now, what these guidelines are doing is they're establishing a number of important principles. 
The first is that waste pickers need to be rec recognized and respected. The second is that they must be paid for the collection service that they're providing for municipalities and industries. And the third is that waste pickers must be involved in all decisions that affect their working life, which include decisions about recycling in, in municipalities and in industry. And when can we expect the guidelines to be completed? We're still in the process of finishing the guidelines. I think that the, the main success we've had thus far is that we've developed national guidelines that actually provide a process for municipalities and industries to work with waste pickers to develop plans on how to integrate them. And in those guidelines, we've established that any time a municipality or an industry is uh, developing a recycling program, they have to consider what is the best way to integrate waste pickers and to achieve the goals of waste picker integration. Um, so that really shifts the terrain. Um, it means that municipalities will no longer be able to uh, just decide they want to contract a private company and proceed with that without considering what are the ways that waste pickers themselves can be providing these services. I think, secondly, as we've been developing the guidelines, we've seen the relationships uh, between waste pickers and other stakeholders begin to shift. In the end, guidelines are guidelines. Eli, imagine the industry, this sector, in five or ten or maybe 15 years' time. The work of the African Reclaimers Organization has been recognized, all the reforms uh, that South African government have pushed in. What will the sector look like? I think that the, the sector is going to have uh, finally the reclaimers um, receiving recognition in terms of um, a service levy that is paid for by municipalities and uh, private industry who are responsible for manufacturing the products that they are actually picking. Uh, people will actually have access to formal banking facilities. Uh, people will have access to transport, to clean uniforms. And I think that the working conditions will be much different uh, from what uh, people are experiencing where they have to dig into very, very dirty, dangerous uh, kinds of things. And I think that also there will be no, no stigma. You know, it, it will be the kind of ideal that the city itself wants to, wants to achieve but uh, is unable to. But I think that the reclaimers are going to take over and basically show them how it's done. It's going to be a wonderful place where they are recycling centers with um, preschools, with artists who are using recyclable materials, who are based in, 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 the, in those kinds of recycling centers, will have uh, access to transportation. People won't have to travel in these trolleys under very dangerous conditions. And actually, I predict that it won't take us 10 years. It might take us as short as five years to actually see a revolution happening in the industry. We have noticed that if we are organized, if we are combined, we have much more impact in what we are doing. Even if there's 20 of us, even if there's a thousand of us, unfortunately there's thousands of us. And when we say we're going to shut the city down and we're not going to collect material, they jump and they really feel, feel it. So that actually shows us that we do have the power and it motivates us to go further with the, with the work of, of organizing other people. We should be the last generation of reclaimers that are not able to have their own homes 
through the work that we are doing. We want to move up the value chain. So that's it for today's podcast, but you can continue the discussion online by tweeting us at Commonwealth.org or by finding us on Facebook with the same username. That's Commonwealth.org. You'll find links on Facebook and Twitter to Commonwealth Insights, policy briefs that explore a whole range of issues such as these we've explored in this show. Anything from migration, climate justice to women negotiating peace. We implore you to go onto Apple Podcasts or a podcatcher of your choice and go and write us a review because it helps visibility for the show and gets more people then to be aware of us so they can listen too. I'm Rayful Brown. You've been listening to Commonwealth Voices. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.